Welcome, Texans, to the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show, which is not at Fuddruckers this year. Mark Vandermeer and DP City with you. But we do have fun Fuddruckers stuff to do, and we do have a Texans player with you. So there's that. We always encourage you to go to Fuddruckers, home of the Texans Burger. It is awesome. Enjoy. Tonight's guest, can't wait to talk to this guy, Jordan Jenkins, works on that D-line, doing work on that D-line. Jordan, welcome to the show. How you doing, my friend? Doing good, good. Thank you for having me. All right, and you've got a good setup. You know, we're doing a Zoom call today. Uh, we're not in the Hyundai Texans radio studio because of the hurricane issues. It was a tropical storm, then it was a hurricane, then it was a tropical storm. I think it's been demoted again since, but uh, we all lived through it in the last 24, 36 hours. But you got a good home setup there. You got an actual like broadcast type headset for the Zoom. I'm impressed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't play when it comes to my uh, video games and uh, my old PC setup. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you are you an Xbox guy or? Xbox and PC okay. for sure. All right. Very nice. Very. I nice. was talking to Jordan before we we started because, Jordan, you've got so much family all over Houston. But I, I didn't know if you'd ever really weathered a hurricane before since you used to spend your summers here and you said you had not and I wouldn't classify this as a real hurricane although it was a hurricane scare um but what do you what do you remember about your summers here uh remember it was uh I'd always go out to see my uh great aunt Alberta um growing up and I went to go see my uncle Joe who's uh I think he's a constable in uh Houston too but uh just remember getting chased around the house uh, with my great aunt Alberta's uh machete she used to always have and uh, she would always chase around the men. Sometimes we would get out of hand, but uh, it, it was always fun coming down to visit because I knew I was going to get some good food and uh, just have a lot of outdoorsy fun. I have a lot of questions, but how did your grandma get um, a machete? <laughs> would be the first. Honestly, one. honestly, to this day, I have no idea. But I just remember at all the cookouts, someone was getting chased around with uh, at one point during the day. <laughs> okay well i didn't think we were gonna go in that direction i didn't think we were either Uh -uh. but all right so what was your reaction when you got the gig with the houston texans and you knew you were coming here and being around some family uh honestly that was one of the things that was um on my mind for a while um when i when lovey and everyone first reached out um because i i never even thought about i i like coming out of the draft, I never thought I'd end up in uh, in Houston. Always wanted to have having all the family around, but that's just one of the biggest blessings to me out of uh, out of the way everything shook out with uh, my departure from New York and coming down here is that I finally get to have my family at the games. And we had about 25, maybe 26 of us at the game um, on Saturday. And it was just an awesome feeling being able to see some family I haven't seen in years and just drive down the road and come watch me play. Jordan, how amazing was it to start off your Texans career with a win for David Culley to get his first win as head coach um, of the Houston Texans for Lovey Smith and just for the whole squad? Like, can you describe what that feeling has been like, especially for you being in a new place and, and trying to kickstart your career here? Chapter two for you. Uh, I mean, it, it was it, it's such, it was a good feeling. Um, I've been in a lot of uh, situations where we started off bad and this was this wasn't that. I mean, everyone was firing on all cylinders. Special teams was on point. Offense was on point, and they were doing their thing. And uh, defense, we did our thing as well. But I mean, it just was it was such an awesome feeling seeing everyone just doing their job and executing well. And there's still some room for improvement here and there. But uh, it just it, it was a nice thing to see after all the hard work the guys put in in uh, training camp. And I, I will say uh, first and foremost, training camp in Houston is different. It is very hot. <laughs> it is hard to breathe sometimes. And it was just 
good to see um, some of the rewards from all that happening on a, uh, Sunday. All right. Well, I got a lot of questions about that, but Georgia in the summer is not exactly like Canada. So how does it compare to Houston in the summer when you're training? Uh, I mean, Georgia's not bad. Like it'll get hot, but uh, it's just not as humid mm-hmm. as it is in Houston. Like in the morning, it might it might not be that bad, and the nights aren't that bad. But here, I mean, in, in morning, I remember going to a uh, seven a.m. run, and it was ninety six. <laughs> I said that that that's unreal. Ninety six degrees at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Now, that sounds about right, and then it doesn't cool down at all either. <laughs> oh no, no, no! no. It not slightest. You. Everyone talks about the conditioning just being like you're at the top of your game when you train in this heat. Did you feel a difference in your conditioning after working out in this heat versus any of the other training camps that you've had? Uh, yeah, I could definitely agree with that because um, when we went to uh, Green Bay, I was, once you get the first game, like first preseason game, you're always wondering, like, am I in shape? Am I in shape? Am I in plain shape? Especially if you're coming off of surgery, you're like, all right, I think I'm in good enough shape, but – that um that Green Bay game really showed I was uh showed honestly everyone that uh we we're in pretty good shape because not a lot of guys got gassed and uh, that uh all, all the days with uh, waterlogged cleats were uh, definitely worth it. <laughs> you know it's funny because we are and uh, I hate to bring up his name now but I want to ask you about Vincent Taylor but we visited with him before camp began. And he talked about waterlogged cleats as well. Uh, that that was a, a definite factor here. Uh, but since I brought it up right there, uh, VT, you know, it was it was so sad to see him carted off like that. And it was moving to see the entire team. I mean, everybody in the organization really going over there to say something to him, to support him. Uh, what was that like? What was your reaction? Uh, it definitely uh, it definitely hurt, you know. Um, he's one of our own, one, one of the D-line room. I mean, we sit beside each other in defensive meeting room, so we um, talk a good bit, and he's a good friend and everything. And uh, it just – it sucked to see him go down because I remember I just – I know I already worked in training camp and know his mindset and the way he approaches things. He just wants to go out there and see everyone work work together get um, and be active and just see everyone fighting together. And he, he just wholeheartedly, like at the start of the game, like he came out and made – a big play got the uh, batted ball and the Trevor Lawrence's first pass. And I mean, it just, he was having a good game and it just sucked to see him go down um, the way he did in that early too. I know we've talked about this defense and just getting the takeaways in, in training camp and preseason and will it translate to the regular season? Will it not? I know it's only week one, but getting the three interceptions against Trevor Lawrence after the game, he had said he's never done that um, ever in his football career. You know, what is it about, what this defense does that makes those takeaways come. So it seems so easily to you guys. I've, I mean, it's hard to remember games where you have like one take takeaway, especially after last year. And then you had three just in week one. Um, honestly, I'd have, I'd have to, uh, I got to give credit where credit's due. I got to give it to Lovey. You know, that's uh, something he's always emphasizing in practice day in, day out is just going after the ball, being a ball hawk, having everyone sprint to the ball. And he just always preaches, you know, good things happen when you're around the ball. And we just overemphasize in practice, trying to get takeaways, trying to get takeaways, trying to get strip attempts. And uh, it just came to fruition on Sunday. Now we left um, a couple play, a couple of interceptions out there. We left a couple TFLs, a couple of stacks out there. But that just goes to show where, where we can go when we actually can be completely dialed in. Jordan Jenkins joining us on the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show. Uh, all the hard work you talked about it in the offseason. 
What was your reaction when you saw some of the talent acquired here? Because it's not like everybody's been to you know the last three Pro Bowls together, but a lot of guys can play. So when you saw this whole thing coming together and got out there at the practice field during OTAs, what were you thinking? Um, I guess the main thing I was thinking was um, that it was going to be a, a, a lot of competition on this team. And that, that's something that I really like because it just means that you're going to get the best out of everyone at uh, at every day, no matter if you're tired, if you're sore, anything like that, you're always going to get the best at everyone because, you know, you've seen these guys playing across the league. Like I uh, played with Neville. I've seen Shaq. Um, I watched Shaq um, throughout the league, seen Rex, and just some of the guys you've played against for years, and now you're on the same team. It's like, all right, now we, we got something to work with. I already know how these guys play. I've been against them, and I just know they're going to be competitive in uh, every practice. Wow. You mentioned Neville, and he led the Jets in tackles last year. Uh, so being on the same team with him must be nice. A little familiarity yeah, and, uh, there. And uh, his nickname we had for him was uh, Neville oh, Bloodbath, Bloodbath Hewitt. Bloodbath. Bloodbath Hewitt? I'm writing it down. Yeah. Bloodbath <laughs> or, or neck roll Hewitt. He does wear the neck roll. Someone someone pointed out that he was wearing a pretty dandy neck roll in training camp. But where, do, where does Bloodbath come from? Man, it was just um, – there's – it was uh, – an old TV show where there's just big brolic dude and he, no one messed with him in the yard. And, uh, after watching that play for two or three years, I was like, all right, you know, it, it your nickname is bloodbath or, and, and neck roll. Like that's the type of player he is on special teams, on defense. He's just trying to impale people and inflict the most amount of pain possible and still be legal at the same time. And, and what is it about the neck roll? Because we don't see too many of them these days. I feel like we, I used to see them a lot more growing up. Why do guys not wear neck rolls anymore? Is it just not uh, comfortable? It's definitely not comfortable. And it's a big, uh, it, it's sort of like an outdated thing in our generation. But when you, you know, when you see somebody wearing a neck roll, you, you know what time it is. Because <laughs> you, you got to be a different person to wear a neck roll. And to wear one that's as big as Neville's neck roll is. <laughs> you know, you look at a uh, video from the late 80s, early 90s. Guys are wearing these shoulder pads that are like coffee tables on their shoulders. I mean, they're just huge. Yep. And Andre Ware, who I do the games <laughs> with, he, he, you know, I always tease him. He won the Heisman Trophy playing quarterback with these gigantic shoulder pads playing quarterback. He said, <laughs> yeah, but we never had shoulder injuries in those days. <laughs> That is true, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I could wear them big old bowling balls on my shoulders, but I'm going to have to let him have it. He got the eyes and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's it's working out well for him. Uh, let's talk about some of your teammates because this D-line group does strike me as a very tight group. It does seem together uh, that you guys have the camaraderie, the chemistry, and it's going to serve you well, especially now you're going on the road this week and obviously you have – eight of those this season, but tell me about the togetherness of the D-line group. Um, that, that's something that's, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's honestly shocking how fast um, we became like a close-knit group and the amount of time we had together. And uh, we always have, uh, we try to get together every now and then, like every week or every other week and have like a D-line dinner. Um, I remember one of the off days in camp, I had everybody over at my apartment and we had steaks, uh, steaks, mac and cheese, baked beans, a little, little barbecue, and then played, um, Uno, played Uno for a little bit, played a little bit of spades and just doesn't take our minds off everything. But, um, we're, we're definitely a close knit group that just loves to see one another work. And, uh, we, we just love the competition and we just embrace it. You guys seem like a really competitive bunch. Like how does, how are, how does Uno go with all of you? 
Oh, it's a very, it's, it's a very sounds... loud game, and people. Uh, <laughs> there's some people that are literally go out of their way to make sure one person doesn't win. They might not win, but there's been a specific times where me and VT always end up costing each other the game because one of us will remember, oh no, you hit me with a draw four. All right, here's draw eight. Two of them. Just, we'll hold it the whole time and just uh, just to take somebody out. But uh, it, it's a really competitive room in, in everything we do. All right, who's cooking? Who's cooking for the D-line group? You said you had some barbecue. Are you are you the best cook? Or it seems like you've got a few grillers on the team too. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say my I'd have to take the title of the best steak in the D-line room. I, I, I'm pretty pretty confident in uh in what I'm throwing on the grill there. Uh, Is it so- the cooking temperature, or do you add something to it? Are you like a purist, like just salt and pepper and steak? See, if I got a dry, if I have a, a dried steak. You know, I'll, I'll just put a little avocado oil, salt, pepper on it. And uh, but if I've got uh, like a, a, a non dry steak, then I'll go ahead and get sometimes I do a little marinade. I'll switch it up. Might throw a little of uh, a little lager on there and some other things. But I'm always cooking medium. It's if, if anyway, if someone asks for well done and you're getting medium well, you're getting like, medium I, I'm, anyway. <laughs> I'm not I'm not giving you well done. I, I feel like you're ruining not it. In me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're just losing it's all insult- the taste. It's insulting when people order their steaks medium well. I'm with you. Or well done. Yeah. If you're feeding the defensive line, hey, you're going to go broke doing that. I mean, that's a lot of food for these guys. Well, see, you know, there's a trick to it. You save the good steaks for yourself. You, know, <laughs> you, go, to, you, shop, you go get yourself a nice little uh, ribeye. Then you might go down to H-E-B, get everyone else the rest of their steaks from there. But it all ends up being good in the end. Jordan, that's what I do with my boys because they eat a lot of steak. And so my husband and I, we get ourselves the fillets and we buy them. We buy them the the, 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 the <laughs> less choice cuts. Yeah, they don't know the difference. They just want meat. Mm-hmm. That's a good call. Good call for yeah, you. Yeah. Save that's, some money. That's not bad at all. So Bobby King, uh, he's been here for three different regimes. He was here when Gary Kubiak was the head coach. Bill O'Brien was the head coach. And he left for a while, but he came back. And now he's here for David Cully and Lovey Smith. And he's coaching the D-line now. And traditionally, he had coached linebackers. What's it like to work for Bobby King on the D-line? First and foremost, he, uh, it, it's intense. And uh, that's what Bobby told, uh, told everyone in all the meetings before we all signed is that um, he said, first off, you know, I'm, I'm going to coach you hard and I'm going to love on you hard. But just know everything, I'm com- everything you get from me is going to be 100%. You know, there might be some days where you're not trying to go, but I'm I'm not gonna call, I'm I'm not gonna pull off the gas. Like I'm I'm trying to coach you up. I'm trying to get you to be the best player you can be. And there's gonna be some times with butt heads, but just know I'm always on your side in the end. What is it like with David Cully running the whole thing? Because you've been around a couple of head coaches, and here you have David Cully, really positive guy, uh, sort of a fatherly figure. You know, he'll tell it like it is, but he's so supportive at the same time. I mean, that's the feeling I get. I'm not in the rooms with you guys. How do you see it? No, you hit it. Uh, you hit it spot on there. I mean, uh, Coley's a well-respected man. You know, you saw what he did in uh, Baltimore with uh, the passing game in his reins. And you just know he's got a lot of football history in him. And um, he's a guy that really likes likes you to know the – the why behind some thing like the, mm-hmm. the history behind the guy, the team you're playing and everything to just give you a sort of an appreciation of the game and, and know your roots and know the history of the game. Jordan, speaking of leaders of the team, what did you think of Tyrod Taylor? I know you'd seen him throughout camp and preseason, but his first game, obviously he's had plenty of starts during his time in the league, but first start for the Texans at home, no one really knew what to expect of this offense, but he's, he came out there and he was just, 
he was so smooth, calm, cool, collected. You know, how did you see it from your vantage point, how his performance went? Um, honestly, that's how uh, Tyrod is uh, normal. Like, he's just – he's never too high. He's never too low. He's just always level-headed trying to get guys to lock in. You know, if someone gets a little P.I. or someone gets um, uh, a little uh, – if someone gets an unsportsmanlike on a penalty, something like that, he's just always he's he's always good at getting guys dialed back in and getting them to focus on the main thing and just keeping the main thing the main thing. And uh, like he he just he, he's a good leader. He's a guy guys can rally behind because he's going to give it his all. Yeah, no doubt well, about that. You, you, I was going to say, speaking of um, flags, the Justin Britt, the the little kerfuffle scuffle that he got into. <laughs> well, I know you guys went up against those guys in camera, but he talked about it yesterday. He was hilarious. He said. Um, he was just having fun and laughing. He doesn't even understand why he got the flag. It was really, he was doing yeah. nothing wrong, but what, what did you think about him? He's, he's a big dude. He's, he's kind of scary, but, uh, you know, he's really held things down on that O-line, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's definitely a big guy. And, uh, I'm going back to the, the fight at the, in the game or whatever. And it's funny. Cause uh, I was just, I, he put it on the story. Uh, the whole interaction and everything. It is just you just see Britt laughing the whole time and all the Jacksonville players just trying to get after him and grab him and those of I'm like he's literally just laughing walking back. And uh it, it I was in tears watching that happen because knowing <laughs> Britt, I mean it, it, you know if someone's laughing while you're trying to fight him, it just makes you it just nothing can make you more mad than that. And that's pretty much what Britt did. So uh I, I, I can see why the Jacksonville players wanted to swing. Jordan Jenkins joining us on the Fuddruckers Texans player show. So who are the talkers on the defense? Cause we see the game, we can see what's going on, but we can't really hear what's going on. Do you guys talk a lot? Do people talk when you're playing in, in this league, since you've joined the league, Jordan, do you get a lot of talkers on the offensive side or are they kind of quiet trying to hear the quarterback and the defensive guys tend to do the jawing? Honestly, it's a, uh, it's a little bit of a, like so you get some you some teams you got guys that are the big trash talkers or whatever but uh uh I like to say on this team honestly on both sides of the ball we're really uh more of like uh we'll be we're calm and collective but don't take that calmness for uh, for granted we'll still go out there and mm-hmm. and whoop upon you if we if we need to and um like uh guys like Laramie Titus and uh Britton all the boys they don't really do a whole lot of talk but once you if you if you want to go there they can mm-hmm. go there pretty much and, and that's sort of how we like to handle business in training camp, you didn't have any joint practices. So that meant you were going up against those guys the whole time. I mean, that had to get, and I think we saw what the results were when you did play opponents and you were able to, you know, beat green Bay the way you did. Uh, Take us through that though. When every day, every day I'm facing this guy, or, you know, maybe it's one or two or three guys that you end up facing and on a given practice day. Uh, I definitely, uh, Excuse me. It definitely starts to get on your nerves. Um, <laughs> I, once you get to about practice twenty, practice twenty-two, you're like, man, I'm I'm tired of this. Some of us are going against each other for years, and like Marcus Cannon lost to him ten times over there in the uh, AFC East, and then played against Laramie for a while. So it's like we all know each other's moves, and it's like, all right, I'm, I'm about tired of sitting there trying to watch you try and, and fake this and do that, and just everyone's ready to go against someone else. <laughs> take all that frustration out i forgot you played a lot of these guys when you were with the jets it's this isn't even the first time you've been facing them you've been facing them for years what's it like being on the same team with laramie after all uh, these years it's actually pretty uh it, it, it's a good thing because you know uh i know the type of guy he is you know i've been on the receiving ends of one of those uh uh turnout blocks and uh it's not all that kind 
But uh, <laughs> being on the same team as a lot of the guys uh, from across the league that have gone against it's, it's a it's a good feeling because you always wonder what these guys are like in practice and whether and just to see how they are and as a, as a man and as a teammate or whatever. And it's like gone against Rex all these years, gone against Laramie, played played the Texans back in uh, 2018. And yep. Chuck always reminds me that you did not lose. You did not win the game. The Texans yep. actually won. And uh, <laughs> it was uh, a nail biter all the way down to the end. But ultimately the Texans came out on top and um, hopefully we get those same results later this season when we meet up again. How did you like living in the New York area? I imagine you lived in Jersey because that's where the Jets facility is. and Nobody lives in New York, really. Maybe a couple of guys do. But what was that experience like for you? Um, at first, you know, I didn't uh, didn't really vibe with it well. You know, I'm a uh, southern guy. I lived in Harris County, Georgia, and mm-hmm. small town. We were the only high school in the entire county. And uh, that'll go, that, that shows how uh, small the town was. But uh, that's how different it was when I first got up to New, uh, New Jersey, New York. And first thing I said when I signed was, um, wait, why are, why are we not there? Like, New York is over there. Why are we in New Jersey? <laughs> and then uh, the, the operation guy was like, don't worry. It's a, it's a long, long story that you'll eventually find out. But New York New York was fine. You know, if you lived in the city, it's it'd be a lot funner. You know, it's just a hassle of taking the train in. It's an hour train right in from where I live to um, get into the city. And it's just a whole big hassle. But um, it was different, and uh, but it was enjoyable. Yeah, is it strange in that market where you have two NFL teams? You got the Giants <laughs> and the Jets, and you guys – I know you have different facilities, and even in the building you have different locker rooms, right? It's not like you guys use the same home team locker room. You have a Jets place and a Giants place. Yeah, yeah, that's the way they stay because we've never gone inside – the I, I honestly don't even know where the Giants locker room was in that whole stadium. I just know we had ours, they had theirs, and it was like the music thing, like you you don't mess with us, we ain't gonna mess with y'all stuff. But um it it was actually funny going around the city sometimes, you know. You'd uh Gi- a lot of Giants fans it's you get a lot of fair weather fans and uh a lot of the Giants fans like to talk down to the Jets fans until the year when uh they weren't so hot, then they switched jerseys real quick. <laughs> but uh it, it was an interesting dynamic. That, that's got to be strange. I thought I've always thought it was cool how the entire stadium, everything is digital. So uh, other than repainting the field, all the banners, everything, one week it's Giants, one week it's Jets. But you didn't run into any like Giants players in and around the facility just coming in and working on stuff. Or was it that much separated? Like they were completely on another side because our stadium is not mm. it's big, but you would still run into someone eventually if you worked there long enough. Yeah, well, it was like art, like the. The Giants practice facility was right across the street, pretty much from the stadium. Our practice facility, or not ours, um, the Jets practice <laughs> yeah. facility um, was about 40 minutes away from the stadium. So we never oh. actually got to see each other going in and out of the building. But um, well, I think uh, a lot of the – some of the Giants players – I think Eli actually lived by where um, I used to live out in um, Chatham or Florida Park, somewhere around there. But mm-hmm. you, you see each other around the area. Absolutely. All right. Jordan Jenkins stays with us. We're going to have some uh, fun questions uh, for him. Get to know him a little bit better. Get to know the Cleveland Browns a little bit better. That is coming up on Sunday. Texans and Cleveland noon kick. It'll be live right here. Stick around. It's Texans radio. It's Texans radio. Mark Vandermeer, DP Sidhu with you. Fuddruckers Texans players show as we have Jordan Jenkins on the program tonight. Defensive lineman for your Houston Texans. All right, we talked a bunch about the Jags game. Cleveland coming up. We'll get to that. 
Jordan, let's get to some of your interests here. As you mentioned, you've got the headset on because we're on a Zoom call right now due to Hurricane Nicholas, tropical storm, depression, whatever it's called right now. And you're a big video game guy, right? I don't yes, want to word yes, it that way. Okay, so you are. What do you play? Do you play Madden, NBA? What do you like to play the most? See, no, I'm a big uh, big Call of Duty guy, but I'll play uh, anything – if it's on the Xbox or PC, but I'm a Call of Duty, Warzone, uh, 2K, Madden. I don't play because they got linebackers jumping 10 feet in the air, catching interceptions, which is so <laughs> unrealistic, not playing it. Um, but League of Legends on the computer, and um, I used to play World of Warcraft back in the day. But uh, I'm, I'm big on pretty much – now it's just Warzone and Call of Duty pretty much. All right, what about, what about Fortnite? Oh, I, I was big into Fortnite. Um in its first year and year, year mm -hmm. two. And then once uh, the Call of Duty Warzone came out, it, it, it was OV from there. That was I, it. Yeah, it was Murder, She Wrote. I, I strictly Warzone. Jordan, do you have time for TV or Netflix or binge watching? See, I actually don't have uh, cable TV here. I just, mm -hmm. um, I was too cheap. I got the, uh, I got Hulu Live TV from my apartment in Atlanta. I mean, from my house in Atlanta, but. Oddly enough, it doesn't let you watch anything here. And I said, I'm not going to pay for cable twice. So I'm just right. going to have that there. And then I'll binge watch Power or um, Raising Canaan whenever I get the chance in between meetings. All right. So wait a minute. Can you get – all right, you're a cord cutter, or maybe mm -hmm. you never had the cord. So you're a cord cutter, as we call it. Mm -hmm. Can you get an over-the-air station, though, on your device? Yes, because okay. uh, now they count Hulu as a, a TV oh, provider. Yeah. Yeah, so now I can weird. I just go on ABC and just mm -hmm. like when I had all my family over after the game and um, we just went and watched uh, like watched the rest of the football games. And all I had to do was just either Chromecast it off of ABC mm. or Fox or whatever, just flipping whatever channel was on on the phone and then it'll uh, switch it right over to the TV. My how things have changed. That's amazing. All right. So no Netflix or Amazon. Still, I actually uh, I, I like getting my uh, my. Um, God, what's the sudden urge buys and within a day. So, you know, I got Amazon and Amazon Prime too. Yeah. yeah <laughs> for this for the impulse shopper in you. Yes, that's what I was looking for. Okay. Do you have, have you been to the gallery? Speaking of shopping, have you been to the Galleria? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. that is uh that's a little out of uh my comfort zone there. Galleria has a lot of uh says the New lot, York guy. <laughs> <laughs> they got a lot of little boozy stores over there. Yeah, I will they... uh not be there. <laughs> yeah, I think one of my, one of my favorite trips was when we were playing the Giants and we went a day earlier. Mm -hmm. We went on a Friday night and I think I spent Sex the entire death. Saturday like planes, trains and automobiles to get to the shopping in New York City. So mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like that's one thing that Houston is 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 pretty high up there, you know, as far as East Coast, as far as its shopping and its boutiques. But yes, it's, it's the convenience. Yeah. Am I right, Jordan? It's the convenience of Houston. And I know a lot of people who are from here who haven't been a lot of places they complain about the traffic or whatever, but it really is a livable city, is it not? Yeah, yeah. And I honestly, like, um, me and my older sister, we never thought, like, growing, like, we grew up in Georgia, but we always came down throughout our whole lives to um, come to Texas in the summer and come visit the family and everything. And um, our, our parents moved here three or four years, moved back here three or four years ago. But we always said we never could see ourselves living in Houston. And then after I signed and spent, like, two or three weeks here, I was like, wow, this is, like – I've never been in like the midtown, downtown, and the area around like NRG. I was always out in Cypress and Katy, 
but I was like, wow, this city is actually a lot more different than I thought. And it's actually, like you were saying, it's actually really convenient. I've got 15 different stores in this area, right in Midtown. If I go down two more blocks, I got 15 more over there. And it's just really nice. And then traffic wise, you know, you know what you're getting with 610. You're always going to have that extra little 10 minutes there. But I, I'd have to say it, it's a heck of a lot better than Atlanta because Atlanta traffic is oh. by far the worst traffic I've ever had. And then then it'll default to New York. Yeah. Legendary Atlanta traffic. What do people not realize about being a professional athlete, about being a pro football player, the life you live? What do people just not get when they talk to you? You know, for me, it's always, what do you do in the off season? And, you know, we have a department here. We create content all year round. I mean, we're working constantly. Uh, we love what we do. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like, you know, we're sitting on the beach for uh, six months and then get ready for the next NFL season. What do people not get about what you do? I guess people don't, um, some of the things is, uh, I guess people don't realize how much time actually goes into it. And it's like, uh, people say, well, hell, you only play for six months out the year. It's like, no, we, we, we it's, uh, you forget about OTAs, mini camp and all other stuff. And it's like, I got to train year round to keep all this stuff going. And, uh, it's just, um, another thing people don't really realize is you have to be real good on time management. Otherwise you're just, you're, you're doomed in this league. Jordan, was it the D line group? I, I feel like I remember hearing that a group of you came down early or were here in the off season and, and oh, trained yeah. together. I know there was a big, there's, there's guys that were already here, like Whitney Merciless, Jacob Martin, but then there are a lot of new players and that you guys actually were working out together this off season. That was the D line group, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I'd went, um, I was doing my rehab from the um, shoulder surgery and uh, um, I knew I wanted to start training or whatever. And then like uh, I met up with Jamar, his older brother actually was um, one of the vets in uh, my room, my rookie year. And uh, we hit each other up and then we all went to work with uh, coach BT Jordan out in um, Cyprus or whatever. And then Malik was out there and it was me, Malik, um, uh, Jacob, JG, uh, Jaleel was there a couple of times and we all just figured, Hey, we're all in the area. Let's meet up and do some of these workouts throughout the week. Jordan Jenkins joining us. Uh, you mentioned working out in the off season. What, what kind of shape do you try to maintain right after the campaign until OTA start until conditioning starts? Because I imagine you want to be in good conditioning when conditioning starts with the team in April, you know, yeah. in a normal year, so to speak. Because if you're out of shape going into that, it can't be pleasant. But how do you go about maintaining that? Honestly, and there's like a, a couple different philosophy. I mean, not philosophy, but a couple different strategies. I've seen some people do. Some guys, they just, like after the season's over, if you didn't go to the Super Bowl and the season's over in January 7th or whatever date it is, I've seen some guys that take they take two weeks off or whatever, or they'll sit there and um, some guys, they just go all year round. They're like, nah, I'm bumping. I'm going to get hit and get it. But um, me personally, I sit there like I'll take a week off, get the body right and um, slowly build up. Like you probably want to be doing some full tilt exercises, probably about a month and a half heading in uh, out from um, uh, spring training and everything. Like you can work out. Not a lot of guys do a whole bunch of or at least some of the guys I've been around don't like to do a whole lot of strain is running early in the off season in like January and February because it's like you might pull some and it's like, you just don't really have to do it, but lifting and everything else and keeping your footwork is um, more of a priority. 
Okay, so you mentioned uh, spring training. That reminded me of baseball. What other sports were we playing as oh, a kid? I was uh, – actually, I wanted to play soccer. I didn't want to play football. My dad forced me to uh, – <laughs> told me I was going to a soccer camp, and it was a football camp, and, <laughs> and that, that's how we got here. The old switcheroo. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> Literally, yeah. But uh, played soccer, basketball, um, track. Played baseball, and then once I moved down south from Washington State, I was like, I don't know how any – they had A-ball, B-ball, Babe Ruth. I'm like, what the heck happened in seventh-grade ball, eighth-grade ball? I'm like, yeah. I don't know what any of this means, so I'm just going to stick to basketball and football. Mm. And why, like, why, did you, why, was your, why was your dad so intent on you only playing – did your dad play football? Yeah, he actually played at um, Colorado State um, for a year and then messed up his neck and uh, joined the Army and – was not supposed to play because he had career ending uh, neck injury. But when he uh, was overseas stationed in Germany, he played in uh, like some of the German leagues out there. And he always would tell me they have um, all the Americans that have to wear, like they put white tape on the back of the helmets with an A because you couldn't have too many Americans on each team. And it was kind of um, intriguing. Hmm. But he, uh, my dad's an old school player there. He probably was more, he loved the bench and all the finesse stuff. He was a tight end and linebacker. I was more, I'm running through you, hated bench, love squatting. And like we're similar, but also not similar in certain areas as well. Okay, wait. So you're either a bench guy or a squat guy? Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, okay. Yeah. What's, the, what's the philosophy behind that? See, me, I hated benching because my arms were too long and I was real skinny. Uh, when I got to high school, I was maybe 185. My freshman year and then end of that year it was 200 and squatting was always easy because I just it was just e easy workout for me to do and like we squatted maybe three times a week uh or some form of lower body workout in high school but my dad loved benching and he said oh I had to I had to do all the curls for the girls he was whole <laughs> he, he was a big believer in that he had all the muscle tees back in the day there's a picture of him and my mom outside a movie theater I'm like you wearing it you literally just wearing that tank top so everybody can see your muscles. Yeah, that's how I got your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, hilarious. are you Mark? Are you a bench guy or a squat guy? Yeah, I'm a uh, that's sit the natural follow-up. I'm a What's sit that? sit guy, a couch guy. That's what I am. <laughs> that's uh, that's my specialty. All right. Well, we have one more segment coming up with Jordan Jenkins and why Georgia, other than he's from there, but there must be a story there as well. And we'll talk about the Browns coming up Sunday at noon. Jordan Jenkins here on the Fuddruckers Texans Player Show on Texans Radio. It's Texans Radio, Fuddruckers, Texans Player Show, Mark Vandermeer and DP City with you with Jordan Jenkins. Fun visit with Jordan today. Okay, uh, we'll talk about the Browns in just a second. I've been procrastinating that. Uh, we reviewed the Jaguar win a lot this hour, but I wanted to know, so you're from Georgia, you go to the University of Georgia. Uh, was there any other option for you? Was that your dream to play there between the hedges? Was that it from the get-go? Actually, oddly enough, um, it's a funny story. Uh, it, Georgia was not my uh, dream school. Alabama was actually Ooh. my uh, dream school. And then um, in my first workout, uh, not workout, but like uh, my first camp, I went to like in eighth grade going to ninth grade. Um, I went to it or whatever. I won an award and they're asking me questions like what school, whatever I want to go to. And I just overheard my mom. Like for some reason, my mom just did not like Georgia. And that's the first thing that came to my head. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I don't like Georgia. And then the interviewer asked, like, well, you mean Georgia the state? Because I know you just moved here. Or you mean Georgia the college? 
And my stupid self says, oh, no, I mean Georgia to college. And then it brought like all the Georgia fans started talking trash. But I'd have to say a lot of people don't even know. I was silently committed to Bama going um, for my entire, like almost all of my senior year. And then after the Under Armour All-American game, I called Kirby Smart after that and told him, um, Kirby, you know, I love you guys, but I think I got I think I need to go to the University of Georgia. And uh, he still holds this over my head every time I go back and visit because now mm. Kirby's had honcho at Georgia. <laughs> and he right. likes to bring that up every time. Oh, man. So you were playing for Richt. Yes, sir. Four years. Yeah. So what was that like playing for Mark Richt? Because I have uh, I have friends who are really good friends with him because he went to the University of Miami and I used to work there as well. So mm. we have mutual people. Yeah, man. Coach Richt, he was a heck of a guy, you know. He um, still is a heck of a guy. Um, always wanted, um, always wanted guys to give it their all, and he just was. Uh, he wasn't like one of the coaches that would just say one thing and, and live life another. Like he lived everything he preached. He wanted everyone, everyone to have a good connection um, with one another, and just just to represent the G well, you know. And for for a lot of time, for a lot of people, Coach Rick is what is who they had as their as the Georgia guy growing up for all their lives, and he just. He exemplifies what it means to wear that G. Uh, Jordan, when you play in these SEC buildings like Georgia, you go to Tennessee if it's full or Bama, obviously. When you play in those places, what is it like when you get to the NFL? Because some of those environments are even more intense when it's just, you know, everybody wearing the same color and they're real together. And you have 100,000 versus, say, 70. Uh, it does get really intense. So does that help you when you get to the league being used to that kind of thing? Yes, I can definitely say it, and especially for guys in the SEC and uh, maybe even a couple of teams in the ACC. Um, first and foremost, Tennessee probably has the loudest stadium I've ever played in to this day, mm-hmm. and um, it's just it's huge, it's massive, and they they pump uh, crowd noise into the uh, into the stadium, no. and it's like, yeah, you know, they <laughs> don't do it, but you know they do. But uh, it just was a. a very loud environment. And the same thing goes, I wish I could have played in um, at LSU, but I know Death Valley heard stories of people talking about it and it just gets nuts in there. And then um, it, some of that carries over to the league, especially that's why I kind of like playing um, in Buffalo stadium more than a lot of other people's because the fans are right there on you. They're just talking trash and it just brings back the whole, the college era type uh, environment. It's a Jordan, lot of fans you- talking trash to you. I was going to say, do you, what do you remember about playing in Cleveland? I'm sure you've played there um, during your time oh, with yeah. the Jets. I've played the Browns. I think I played the Browns every year I was in the league somehow, except maybe uh, maybe, maybe not one year. But uh, I remember the Browns stadium actually being uh, – it was kind of intense there too. Yeah. Um, I actually strained uh, strained my calf. It might have been last season uh, – when we, or two years ago, we were going to Cleveland. It was a Monday night game. We had a blackout. Jets were all wearing the black and uh, the new black uniforms. And it was just – I heard the crowd noise from inside the training room after I had the uh, the calf strain. But it just it, – it's a fun environment to play in. Yeah, and it's going to be Sunday. It's going to be interesting. It'll be very intense up there. Uh, you got Baker Mayfield. You have Chubb. You have a lot of weapons on this offense, and I got to think for you guys, you know, stopping the run is priority number one, maybe in any game you play, right? Yeah, yeah, more so in this one because you got uh, my boy uh, Nick over there, Mr. Batman himself, yeah, uh, Nick Chubb running that. Then I've 
seen him for years, and I was actually about to hit him up. I said, if you run me over, we're going to fight again. And uh, th- this time we're going to go the distance. <laughs> uh, we had uh, There's one of the practices at George. I had uh, got mad or whatever. Someone hit me late, and I thought it was Chubb. And I went <laughs> swung. I sw- threw a haymaker at him, and he ducked underneath and started laughing. But uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's going to be a fun game for me and for the rest of the guys because uh, it's, it's going to be a physical game. You know you, you know what they got. They got uh, Kareem and Chubb back there. So you know, you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kareem's hard to get down once it gets going, and uh, Nick's just you, you know what you're gonna get from Nick. He's gonna he's gonna throw that shoulder and uh, throw the head down and just take off. What about facing Baker Mayfield? I mean, what what oh, sort man. of test is that for this defense? Obviously, you, you you played well against Trevor Lawrence. It was his NFL debut, but you know how much more of a real test is it going to be facing a guy like Baker Mayfield, who's who had so much success even last year? Baker's a guy, you know, um, he. Uh, he knows how to get his team rallied behind him. He's a uh, big, uh, big vote, like big on uh big charisma guy. If you can let him get, uh, get going and start talking trash and get hype, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to stop the guy, but um, it, it, it's going to be a fun game. Cause um, he knows how to win. He knows how to get after it. And uh, he's going to have his guys ready to play. And they, they've got a, they got a message to send this week too. Jordan, really love the visit. Thanks so much for being with us today. We look forward to doing it again soon. It's always a pleasure. All right. Jordan Jenkins joining us on the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show. Coming up, Texans All Access. You can check out this program on the Texans app soon enough. Have a great night, everyone. Go Texans.